chapter one of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglas this librivox recording is in the public domain the author's childhood place of birth character of the district tuckahoe origin of the name choptank river time of birth genealogical trees mode of counting time names of grandparents their position grandmother especially esteemed born to good luck sweet potatoes superstition the log cabin its charms separating children authors aunts their names first knowledge of being a slave old master griefs and joys of childhood comparative happiness of the slave boy and the son of a slave holder in talbot county eastern shore maryland near easton the county town of that county there is a small district of country thinly populated and remarkable for nothing that i know of more than for the worn-out sandy desert-like appearance of its soil the general dilapidation of its farms and fences the indigent and spiritless character of its inhabitants and the prevalence of ague and fever the name of this singularly unpromising and truly famine-stricken district is tuckahoe a name well known to all marylanders black and white it was given to this section of country probably at the first merely in derision or it may possibly have been applied to it as i have heard because of some one of its earlier inhabitants had been guilty of the petty meanness of stealing a hoe or taking a hoe that did not belong to him eastern shore men usually pronounce the word took as tuck took a hoe therefore is in maryland parlance tuck a hoe but whatever may have been its origin and about this i will not be positive that name has stuck to the district in question and it is seldom mentioned but with contempt and derision on account of the barrenness of its soil and the ignorance indolence and poverty of its people decay and ruin are everywhere visible and the thin population of the place would have quitted it long ago but for the choptank river which runs through it from which they take abundance of shad and herring and plenty of ague and fever it was in this dull flat and unthrifty district or neighbourhood surrounded by a white population of the lowest order indolent and drunken to a proverb and among slaves who seemed to ask oh what's the use every time they lifted a hoe that i without any fault of mine was born and spent the first years of my childhood the reader will pardon so much about the place of my birth on the score that it is always a fact of some importance to know where a man is born if indeed it be important to know anything about him in regard to the time of my birth i cannot be as definite as i have been respecting the place nor indeed can i impart much knowledge concerning my parents 
genealogical trees do not flourish among slaves a person of some consequence here in the north sometimes designated father is literally abolished in slave law and slave practice it is only once in a while that an exception is found to this statement i never met with a slave who could tell me how old he was few slave mothers know anything of the months of the year nor of the days of the month they keep no family records with marriages births and deaths they measure the ages of their children by springtime winter time harvest time planting time and the like but these soon become undistinguishable and forgotten like other slaves i cannot tell how old i am this destitution was among my earliest troubles i learned when i grew up that my master and this is the case with masters generally allowed no questions to be put to him by which a slave might learn his age such questions are deemed evidence of impatience and even of impudent curiosity from certain events however the dates of which i have since learned i suppose myself to have been born about the year eighteen seventeen the first experience of life with me that i now remember and i remember it but hazily began in the family of my grandmother and grandfather betsy and isaac bailey they were quite advanced in life and had long lived on the spot where they then resided they were considered old settlers in the neighbourhood and from certain circumstances i infer that my grandmother especially was held in high esteem far higher than is the lot of most coloured persons in the slave states she was a good nurse and a capital hand at making nets for catching shad and herring and these nets were in great demand not only in tuckahoe but at denton and hillsborough neighbouring villages she was not only good at making the nets but was also somewhat famous for her good fortune in taking the fishes referred to i have known her to be in the water half the day grandmother was likewise more provident than most of her neighbours in the preservation of seedling sweet potatoes and it happened to her as it will happen to any careful and thrifty person residing in an ignorant and improvident community to enjoy the reputation of having been born to good luck her good luck was owing to the exceeding care which she took in preventing the succulent root from getting bruised in the digging and in placing it beyond the reach of frost by actually burying it under the hearth of her cabin during the winter months in the time of planting sweet potatoes grandmother betty as she was familiarly called was sent for in all directions simply to place the seedling potatoes in the hills for superstition had it that if grandmamma betty but touches them at planting they will be sure to grow and flourish this high reputation was full of advantage to her and to the children around her though tuckahoe had but few of the good things of life 
yet of such as it did possess grandmother got a full share in the way of presents if good potato crops came after her planting she was not forgotten by those for whom she planted and as she was remembered by others so she remembered the hungry little ones around her the dwelling of my grandmother and grandfather had few pretensions it was a log hut or cabin built of clay wood and straw at a distance it resembled though it was much smaller less commodious and less substantial the cabins erected in the western states by the first settlers to my child's eye however it was a noble structure admirably adapted to promote the comforts and conveniences of its inmates a few rough virginia fence rails flung loosely over the rafters above answered the triple purpose of floors ceilings and bedsteads to be sure this upper apartment was reached only by a ladder but what in the world for climbing could be better than a ladder to me this ladder was really a high invention and possessed a sort of charm as i played with delight upon the rounds of it in this little hut there was a large family of children i dare not say how many my grandmother whether because too old for field service or because she had so faithfully discharged the duties of her station in early life i know not enjoyed the high privilege of living in a cabin separate from the quarter with no other burden than her own support and the necessary care of the little children imposed she evidently esteemed it a great fortune to live so the children were not her own but her grandchildren the children of her daughters she took delight in having them around her and in attending to their few wants the practice of separating children from their mothers and hiring the latter out at distances too great to admit of their meeting except at long intervals is a marked feature of the cruelty and barbarity of the slave system but it is in harmony with the grand aim of slavery which always and everywhere is to reduce man to a level with the brute it is a successful method of obliterating from the mind and heart of the slave all just ideas of the sacredness of the family as an institution most of the children however in this instance being the children of my grandmother's daughters the notions of family and the reciprocal duties and benefits of the relation had a better chance of being understood than where children are placed as they often are in the hands of strangers who have no care for them apart from the wishes of their masters the daughters of my grandmother were five in number their names were jenny esther milly priscilla and harriet the daughter last named was my mother of whom the reader shall learn more by and by living here with my dear old grandmother and grandfather it was a long time before i knew myself to be a slave i knew many other things before i knew that grandmother and grandfather were the greatest people in the world to me and being with them so snugly in their own little cabin i supposed it be their own 
knowing no higher authority over me or the other children than the authority of grandmamma for a time there was nothing to disturb me but as i grew larger and older i learned by degrees the sad fact that the little hut and the lot on which it stood belonged not to my dear old grandparents but to some person who lived a great distance off and who was called by grandmother old master i further learned the sadder fact that not only the house and lot but that grandmother herself grandfather was free and all the little children around her belonged to this mysterious personage called by grandmother with every mark of reverence old master thus early did clouds and shadows begin to fall upon my path once on the track troubles never come singly i was not long in finding out another fact still more grievous to my childish heart i was told that this old master whose name seemed ever to be mentioned with fear and shuddering only allowed the children to live with grandmother for a limited time and that in fact as soon as they were big enough they were promptly taken away to live with the said old master these were distressing revelations indeed and though i was quite too young to comprehend the full import of the intelligence and mostly spent my childhood days in gleesome sports with the other children a shade of disquiet rested upon me the absolute power of this distant old master had touched my young spirit with but the point of its cold cruel iron and left me something to brood over after the play and in moments of repose grandmammy was indeed at that time all the world to me and the thought of being separated from her in any considerable time was more than an unwelcome intruder it was intolerable children have their sorrows as well as men and women and it would be well to remember this in our dealings with them slave children are children and prove no exceptions to the general rule the liability to be separated from my grandmother seldom or never to see her again haunted me i dreaded the thought of going to live with that mysterious old master whose name i never heard mentioned with affection but always with fear i look back to this as among the heaviest of my childhood's sorrows my grandmother my grandmother and the little hut and the joyous circle under her care but especially she who made us sorry when she left us but for an hour and glad on her return how could i leave her and the good old home but the sorrows of childhood like the pleasures of after-life are transient it is not even within the power of slavery to write indelible sorrow at a single dash over the heart of a child the tear down childhood's cheek that flows is like the dewdrop on the rose when next the summer breeze comes by and waves the bush the flower is dry
there is after all but little difference in the measure of contentment felt by the slave child neglected and the slaveholder's child cared for and petted the spirit of the all-just mercifully holds the balance for the young the slaveholder having nothing to fear from impotent childhood easily affords to refrain from cruel inflictions and if cold and hunger do not pierce the tender frame the first seven or eight years of the slave boy's life are about as full of sweet content as those of the most favoured and petted white children of the slaveholder the slave boy escapes many troubles which befall and vex his white brother he seldom has to listen to lectures on propriety of behaviour or on anything else he is never chided for handling his little knife and fork improperly or awkwardly for he uses none he is never reprimanded for soiling the tablecloth for he takes his meals on the clay floor he never has the misfortune in his games or sports of soiling or tearing his clothes for he has almost none to soil or tear he is never expected to act like a nice little gentleman for he is only a rude little slave thus freed from all restraint the slave-boy can be in his life and conduct a genuine boy doing whatever his boyish nature suggests enacting by turns all the strange antics and freaks of horses dogs pigs and barn-door fowls without in any manner compromising his dignity or incurring reproach of any sort he literally runs wild has no pretty little verses to learn in the nursery no nice little speeches to make for aunts uncles or cousins to show how smart he is and if he can only manage to keep out of the way of the heavy feet and fists of the older slave boys he may trot on in his joyous and roguish tricks as happy as any little heathen under the palm-trees of africa to be sure he is occasionally reminded when he stumbles in the path of his master and this he early learns to avoid that he is eating his white bread and that he will be made to see sights by and by the threat is soon forgotten the shadow soon passes and our sable boy continues to roll in the dust or play in the mud as best suits him and in the veriest freedom if he feels uncomfortable from mud or from dust the coast is clear he can plunge into the river or the pond without the ceremony of undressing or the fear of wetting his clothes his little tow-linen shirt for that is all he has on is easily dried and it needed ablution as much as did his skin his food is of the coarsest kind consisting for the most part of corn-meal mush which often finds its way from the wooden tray to his mouth in an oyster-shell his days when the weather is warm are spent in the pure open air and in the bright sunshine he always sleeps in airy apartments he seldom has to take powders or to be paid to swallow pretty little sugar-coated pills to cleanse his blood or to quicken his appetite he eats no candies gets no lumps of loaf-sugar 
always relishes his food cries but little for nobody cares for his crying learns to esteem his bruises but slight because others so esteem them in a word he is for the most part of the first eight years of his life a spirited joyous uproarious and happy boy upon whom troubles fall only like water on a duck's back and such a boy so far as i can now remember was the boy whose life in slavery i am now narrating End of chapter one